You are listening to the 3CR podcast of Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia is broadcast live every Sunday from 2 p.m. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au. Good afternoon and uh, welcome, uh, well, well, welcome back to us. Uh, Happy New Year. It feels a bit weird. We've been out of the studio for quite some time. My name's Nick, sitting across from me, Ash. Um, afternoon. It's it's weird. This is the first time four and a half years that we have uh, taken yeah, it was, time it was, off Sundays. It was very strange to have a break. It was quite nice. I, I enjoyed taking a little bit of a break yeah. from the show. Forgot what Sundays were like. You, you don't have to do stuff on Sundays. <laughs> so not, not anymore, though, because we're back. Uh, we, um, we did spend a bit of time over the summer kind of working on some things for the back end of the show. So we're aiming to have the podcasts up more regularly to build the team here and um, change things up a little bit for 2020. Nearly all of 2019's podcasts are now available. I had a uh, computer crash that I thought was going to mean a couple of thousand dollars at the computer shop, but luckily it was just a power supply and I had one, uh, albeit the the cat seemed to have... uh, decorated it with her own scent uh but i cleaned that i sorted that out if you've got cats you know what you know what i'm talking about uh and it works hey so i'll get the rest of those podcasts up very shortly um but i think it's up to about september so only about 12 more and they're all all ready to go they're in the in the i don't know production line and and ready to get happening but um i mean when was the when was our last episode just after christmas just before christmas I yeah think. it was before so a lot's happened uh in that time obviously um half of australia has been on fire in that time and i hope um if you uh have friends or family or you yourself were affected that um there is rebuild uh and and you know bringing things back together again um but i also know i've got friends i, I lived in the bigger valley in fact um my my uh first job in commercial radio which i did 10 12 years ago now um was in the bigger valley uh at a radio state commercial radio station there and um homes are under threat in marimbula in uh Candelow, which is a small country town just out of bigger um fires have spread because of one of those um what are they what are they called those uh those horrible lightning storms that occur because of the fire smoke that crazy thing that's going on so it's not over yet and we still have all of february and february is uh, generally the traditional bushfire uh month with a lot of the um big bushfires having happened in february and we've, we've just hit february now so hopefully um we'll see better times but um it's, we're it's a hot country <laughs> well and i imagine um well, thank you to Freedom of Species, who yes. are on before us. Uh, you can tune into them to listen to all things animal rights. Um, interesting discussions today on, on um, I guess, ethical questions around AI and robot dogs and how people relate to that. But I imagine they'll be covering stuff to do with the bushfires and mm. uh, animal issues there. You can you can tune into them from 1pm every Sunday. The number that's going around is 1 billion. 1 billion animals lost across Australia. Which is likely an underestimate. Oh, likely. Jesus. Right. Yeah, right. That's huge. Does that include, like, is that just vertebrates or are we going into... Is, because, I mean, oh, I don't know. I, I did look. I think it's mammals. It's certainly mammals, vertebrates. Yeah. It's not counting invertebrates. So yeah, right. that's That's at the very that's minimum sad. vertebrates. And, and so much death. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but also, uh, in terms of uh, drug policy, we've seen it. We've seen a bit of a strange summer as well. Um, we're expecting to be at Rainbow Serpent Festival just uh, the weekend past, uh, presenting our um, second panel on the culture wars and Australian festivals, and talking about what's been going on uh, with some festivals, which have essentially been, uh, for lack of a better word, and I think it is the right word, extorted uh, by the police, uh, who are essentially coming in and saying, um, "Hey, uh, you need us." to protect you and we're going to charge you exorbitant amounts of money like money that um it sort of started around the 10 15 grand mark and uh has has in some cases ended up at the one or two hundred thousand dollar mark which is pretty significant for a small event with only a few thousand people uh being able to afford that so it's sort of like you need us for protection you pay us this much and uh if you can't do it then you don't get to go ahead it's i I don't know it feels like cliche mafia stuff that's (laughs) how i see it look i've spoken to people um involved in the you know organization or have been involved in the organization and putting on of festivals uh for a very long time and um you know one thing that i've heard is like oh it was a lot simpler and easier when we just paid them bribes like this is just (laughs) doing the same thing except it's uh 
you know, uh, kind of a legal way of doing a very similar thing. Uh, there was a picture that I saw. I don't know if you saw this one, Ash. I'll just show you it now. But um, uh, if, if you're listening, the, the post is on our Facebook page. Um, but it was a post that uh, was meant to be comparing... Well, it, I mean, it's comparing um, a pack of cigarettes and the price of a pack of cigarettes with a whole bunch of food. And it's trying to say, oh, why would people be so stupid as to buy a pack of cigarettes when look at how much food you could have got. Um, but I feel like it's uh, missed... Mr. Bit, Mr. Point, uh, Mr. A trick. The, the original post might have, but a lot of the commentary has really gone to the heart of it. And, and this is something that um, quitting smoking is very difficult. It's very, it's even harder when you're in difficult circumstances and, and poverty and the stresses of poverty, you know, or mental illness, or all of these kinds of things make it harder. And so a lot of people, you know, I guess they have a real lack of compassion in their view that it's like, well, just quit and you can afford the food. But I know people. I know people that have been, you know, kind of um, escaping domestic violence situations with their children and, like, that little break to have cigarettes, that was their one little time of, like, taking a moment out it of, of, to them. of, you know, the stress of that situation. Mm. And, you know, I think, it, um, I think we do need to consider what people sacrifice um, to make that choice, you know, and... Um, well, here on 3CR, we do focus on a lot of um, Indigenous rights issues that a lot of the public have a misconception about um, <clears throat> what kind of substance use issues are problematic in ind- Indigenous communities. Um, and they think that alcohol is, you know, it, there, there are problems with alcohol, there's problems with alcohol in all communities, but they're not as significantly different in Indigenous communities a lot of people might think. Smoking, however, is. The rate of smoking in Indigenous communities is about 40%, and the rest of Australia, it varies between 13 22%, depending on what mm. area. So, you know, in terms of health impacts, that's a big one. And then how are they, you know, what are, what are people sacrificing to be able to afford tobacco? Um, and, and there's a real yeah. ethical question there. And for me, there's a bigger ethical question um, when you consider that in Australia, we're pretty much unique in... Um, the industrial Western world in prohibiting vaping of nicotine as a cheaper and safer alternative. Yeah, that's um, that's something we'll certainly be coming uh, back to a lot in uh, in 2020, uh, planning a, a vaping special uh, coming up because it's an issue that's been going on. Um, the regulation of the industry always focused on regulation of uh, something that never contained the thing that people wanted. So it was it was regulation of um, just what is it the poly. Uh, glycol, the the mixture that doesn't contain nicotine, just the the sort of look of the vape. That's what was being regulated. While well, nicotine has always been prohibited, um, and there have been battles for that to be re-regulated. But well, I guess do you want to get into some news because I got yeah, there is news on this particular let's, issue. Yeah, let's get into some news here. I'll play a noise to make it um, sound like we're doing news. <laughs> Yeah, news time. So, <laughs> on the um, so there has been some news on that particular issue of um, prescribing nicotine for vaping, and not much has changed in Australia for quite some time. And it seems like you know in this country things often change very slowly. However, the Australian Royal College of GPs have updated their advice. Now, I did have an article here on this. Here we go. Um, and they they have cautiously uh, suggested that prescribing nicotine for vaping should be included for GPs in their in their sort of spectrum of things that they can do to help people quit smoking. Now, I think they also said that the cost of other you know, they're pretty cautious about it. They're like, yeah, you know, oh, still might have some problems, but um <clears throat> if other things have failed, that's something that you can and should try. Small steps, um, gosh. <laughs> yeah, so, it, but, like, it's a small step, but, but, they, but the, step. the public health organisations within Australia, cancer charities, health ministers, have all been walking in lockstep in terms of vaping. Mm. They're like, oh, the evidence isn't in, we've got people telling us that it might be harmful, we're taking a cautious approach, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Mm. So the fact that um, the, you know, the, the peak body for general practitioners has changed their stance on it is significant. They're, they're kind of like the first one to really peel away from the group. And, and I think we'll mm. see more of that as more of the evidence, you know, shows that um, 
while not a risk-free option, it's uh, uh, an option for people who just can't seem to quit. And, um, you know, you're, you're better off vaping than smoking. You're better off doing neither. And if you've never tried either, it's probably not a good idea to, to try them if you want to look after your health uh, yeah. well. But, I mean, um, this is always the, the, the part where it sort of comes undone, though, that um, we, we want to encourage that. We want to make sure that we, we want to have this preventative approach. Or when I say we, I mean the sort of public health, um, the government approaches um, wanting to make sure that uh, people don't get into a situation in the first place. But I... I think sometimes that that thinking comes with a fervor that that um, uh, obsesses over this idea that you can prevent. That it forgets about the people that choose to do something, mm. um, and they there's many reasons why people choose to do something. And um, again, I'm going back to the discussion on uh, uh, on tobacco, on the price of tobacco, and um, and the sorts of discussions I've had with people over this, where um, people can get very, very um, individually minded. I, I, th- I sort of think of it as very um, uh, neoliberal in, in terms of how they view a human in terms of the rest of the economy. They think where that people should be rational. They've been able to do whatever they've been able to do. The, the best ones are the ones that come along and say, oh, well, I was able to do it, so why can't somebody else? And there's just this kind of lack of... Um, nuance and understanding in the complexity of what we are as human beings that it's actually not that simple and and when we're approaching these discussions from a policy um framework then we need to be talking about the complexity and the nuance not just telling people you know suck it up do the right thing like i could do it you can do it too so we We'll likely have Colin Mendelson from the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction uh, Association on here um, probably in a come in the coming weeks quite soon. But if you are a smoker, <coughs> excuse me, out there who um, wants to actually get a legal prescription for nicotine, a lot of GPs, d- despite the Royal College of GPs updating their advice, don't actually know how to do it. Mm. If you go to the Athra website. Um, just look up Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association. They have a guide for GPs there. So you can print that out and show that to your GP so that you can explain to them how they can prescribe you nicotine for vaping. Uh, we're going to talk cannabis and the ACT in, a, in just a tick. Um, we got to we got to bustle on because, um, geez, first show back, we got a lot to cover. Um, but I want to play some music from you. This is from a Canadian artist. I know first music of the year, and I'm playing something from Canada. Promise it'll mostly be Australian, but I'm playing this guy because uh, last night he was playing at uh, one of Rainbow Serpent's many offspring gigs that they have done uh, because the, the site was burnt out and they've uh, they had to cancel the uh, Australia Day weekend. Um, uh, usual festival and they've moved it to Easter and did a whole bunch of things around the city including one uh, that was headlined by Sticky Buds uh, last night and this is Sticky Buds on Inside Delia this is 3CR Sticky Buds Searchlight flashing like Morse code Looking for a purpose on the walk home Think fast, talk slow Big plans, big man, start small but all grow Walking to a warped world One can get lost in the four walls Narrow-minded holes, what we all know is all on you No. 
not many have Sitting back, sipping beer, flicking mags Feeling fat, but the time's not feeling that Other times it's real bad Stinky world, singing fast Mind run at the pace of that emoji with the rocket blast But fuck, getting a grip You know it's all locked up Never stop giving a shit Just off doing bits Always doing them all too quick There might be quakes in the cross But deep down it's solid grip Deep down in your soul is unmoved Your soul's always cold So know that real you is connect to real truth Respect your morals you Will chortle in tune With forces improved There's waves on the surface But the ocean is still Paints in the puddle But you wipe off those shoes Never need to try Your mind's got the juice To do whatever you want Cause it's all on you brings a doof to the airwaves on 3CR every Tuesday at midnight. We spotlight the dark side of psychedelic trance with regular guest segments to talk electronic music production, DJing and news in the scene. Get your dark and twisted sounds on 3CR every Tuesday morning from 12am to 2am. Okay, so this is Shebop. And so is this. And this. Shebop, a program that explores feminist issues. Tune in Mondays, 10.30am, for a show where only women get to speak, but everyone can listen. It's 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3CR.org.au. This is in Psychedelia, back for 2020, and um, jumping right into it because, uh, geez, you take a couple of weeks off and everything happens all at once. Um, uh, Canberra has just, uh, as of, I think it was the last day of January, uh, legalisation, well, legalisation, what are we calling it? Legalisation, decriminalisation of cannabis has taken effect. And on the line now, I have former Canberran, in fact, former Canberran uh, broadcaster with, um, uh, geez, was it, um, who was it, 2CC? Uh, Oh, sorry, I should introduce him first. Uh, Jorian Gardner, who is also a staffer with Fiona Patton. Uh, Jorian, welcome to the program. (laughs) I I didn't realise you were asking me a question there. No, sorry. Uh, Yes. Yes, yes, I used to be two double C. Two double C. Talkback. Yes, yeah, so- wonderful talkback show. You know, you know, in the same realm as Alan Jones and Ray Hadley. You know. So yeah, would you uh, say you were maybe a bit more of a, prog- a progressive shock jock? Was that uh, your shtick? I think that's why they fired me, mate. I was a bit too left for them <laughs> uh, on that station. Yeah, yeah, they used to love to hate me. I think. So, yeah. But you, you've been working. You've been working hard um, over the past few years um, uh, in a number of political issues, but um, we've uh, we've worked on uh, ca- cannabis issues over the uh, past few years. Often yeah. at the uh, 420 picnics, you're there um, helping to get some of the uh, legislation that Fiona uh, has put up in Victorian Parliament uh, up there and, yep. and lobbying to get that happening. Um, and now your your home territory has just. Um, has just a uh, well. What what do you call it? Legalization, well, decriminalization. It, yeah, it is. No, no. Because uh, well, in, in, in basically, pot was already decriminalized in the ACT uh, uh, as it was. Um, it, 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 previous to January thirty one, if you were to uh, have uh, be in possession of a small amount of cannabis or be caught smoking a joint in the street or something, you'd basically get an equivalent of a speeding fine. Right. Um, um, and if you you then paid that speeding fine. And then um, if you didn't, you had to go to court. But uh, that, that was all it was. 
so uh, uh, there, there was this sort of um, myth in the, that it was legal in the ACT and you could grow all, you, as many plants as you wanted or anything, but that, that really wasn't the case. It was just that the laws were a little bit more relaxed um, uh, and uh, you could um, not be as worried in the ACT as you were in other states. Mm. But now that this legislation has, has, has come to pass, uh, in the ACT, it means you can have you can be in possession of 50 grams. Um, I don't know how they came to that. It, it would have, wouldn't have been easier just to say two ounces. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, 50 grams. Um, metric. We've got to and... use the metric system, even though drug dealers haven't caught on to that yet. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any drug dealers. <laughs> um, so uh, you can have 50 grams, and you can grow two plants. Uh, the thing about the legislation with that is those, those plants have to be in the ground and you have to have a house with a backyard. Yes. So you can't put you can't put a pot plant on a balcony. Right, okay. So I've had a bit of a read through the bill. It's only 15 pages. It's called, for, for policy wonks out there, it's the Drug or uh, Drugs of Dependence Personal Cannabis Use Amendment Act 2019 uh, in the That's ACT. Um, and I had a look through because I've, you know, heard people, I mean, as with these things, people don't go and check uh, what the information is and, and get a, a bit too excited about what's going on. Um, and right. and even now, I, so there are a couple of things that, as I was reading it, I was a bit confused confused by that maybe you'll be able to help with but two plants was what i had heard as well but reading the act it, it looks like it says um that there is an offense only if you have four or more plants so where did the two number come from i'm i'm am i misreading well uh um i'm not sure what part what which one of the bills actually passed then because there was a committee inquiry before the bill went forward i think thought it was changed from four right. to two so right. uh, okay. excuse me if i'm wrong it could be four no um, could, you, uh, yeah. That could be right. And then the two plants cannot be hydroponic. They, they, as I said, they have to be grown um, in a backyard uh, in the ground mm. um, so that you, you can't sort of have one in your cupboard in your apartment or, or, or anything like that, which is disappointing, I think, um, mm-hmm. uh, for the many people, of course, in Canberra who don't have a backyard. Um, also, there's some confusion around uh, how many plants you can have uh, per person per house. This yeah. is what I worry if about. If you've got five um, people living in a house, can you have uh, ten plants? Or Well, Canberra's a uni, uni town, mate. Exactly. I six, seven people living in some houses. You know, does that mean you can have an entire backyard with four plants each, which which could, you know, you get quite a bit of uh, uh, cannabis from if, you, if you're doing it correctly. So there are some issues with it. We're going to have to see how it goes. There's also some issues as to whether the federal government will actually let it stand in the end. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's uh, right, because we've, we've seen um, federal government I- interfere with uh, territory policy before, whether it's the ACT or the Northern Territory, um, when, especially when progressive-type uh, uh, amendments are made to, to, to the law. Uh, it seems like that's correct. when the federal government starts to pay attention, go, oh, well, hang on a minute. Mm. Uh, blah, 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 blah. You can't do that. Yes, you yeah. can't do that. Well, euthanasia, both in the ACT and in um, uh, Northern Territory, quite famously, was uh, the laws were passed there and they were immediately uh, overturned by the federal government. And, of course, um, ACT, uh, let's not forget, uh, before gay marriage was um, legalised, the ACT uh, brought brought in civil unions Mm. so that um, uh, uh, gay people could get married. And that lasted for 28 days uh, (laughs) before it was overturned by the government. Um, We won that fight in the end anyway. The the reform that's taken place in Canberra is a good thing. It's got to be a good thing for, 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 for the cause in general. I'm not a massive fan of the bill. I mean, I mean, it's no surprise where where I would like to see things, and where the Reason Party, Fiona's party, would like to see things, um, and that would be to a, a full market, you know, where you can buy weed from the weed store. Yeah, because well, uh, there is that, no market you know, in this in this legalised model. You're not allowed to sell it. You're not allowed to buy it. There's no no transaction allowed. Correct, correct. And you've got to smoke it at home too. Yes, you can't yes. just flip, you can't just light up a joint down at the park. No, and I also noticed that there's a lot in this bill. Uh, uh, as I said, only 15 pages, but a lot of the um, uh, of of the sections are talking about um, kids as well, um, keeping the cannabis out of reach of children. If you do have the cannabis, um, making sure that you don't smoke Correct. near children, and you will get significantly heavier penalties if you are near children. Is this a trend um, in in lawmaking at the moment? The, this kind of um, really gloves on approach to to children, and do you think it's helpful? Well, it's been. I think. I think it depends on the context. I think it's probably helpful. I mean, one of the things that the cannabis inquiry in Victoria is looking at right now 
part of the terms of reference for that that Fiona Patton is the chair of is that uh, to, to look at ways to keep cannabis out of the hands of children and young people um, and uh, the health effects you know, of that uh, from quite a young age. So I think if we're talking about the movement of legalisation, talking to those people who may be sitting on the fence, um, it's another way to say to them, look, we are actually trying to make sure that this is a product much like, say, alcohol, uh, where over 18s, you know, can't usually get their hands on it. So I think it's a good thing, but we've been doing that for a long time, haven't we? I mean, mm. smoking in cars when there's children in the car, um, you know, things like that have, have been uh, have been laws that have come forward. So I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. The, the interesting thing is though that the, the the penalties for smoking cannabis now in the ACT seem to be uh, uh, when when you're not sitting in your backyard, if you are just if you are out in public, seem to be harsher than they were previously. Mm. <laughs> this has happened so, in um, Canada as well. That's right. It's like you you, you legalise it, but then everything outside of your restrictive legal model becomes more penalised. That's correct. That's correct. So we were talking about the speeding fine. I was talking about the, you know, the sort of the cannabis fine that you get in the ACT previously for whatever it was. I think it it might have been, it got up to about 140 bucks or something. I think the penalties are now larger Mm -hmm. uh, for for smoking in public. So, yeah, I think it was 50 penalty units and a penalty unit is about 170 bucks. So, 170, what's that? That's a lot. It's like seventeen hundred times five. Yeah, yeah, it's thousands, like ten thousand so, dollars. Really. Hang on, I want to come back what? to this um, discussion about the the hydroponics because you know if you're if you're wanting to keep it out of the hands of children, a, a backyard unprotected and in the shining sun is the absolute worst place to put it. <laughs> I mean, it was so yeah, common you, when I was in high though. school. There was a slang for it. It was called like doing a rip or you know such and such rips and plants because they were outdoors. That, that's right. That's right. And. Can I, can I, having lived in the ACT for a long time too, uh, there is uh, um, uh, uh, people used to grow it quite openly in their backyards and get ripped yeah. off all the time. Right. Um, I just think there's going to be even more people ripping it off. What I worry about though is the black market, whether it be in New South Wales or Victoria, or in or, or there still there still will remain a black market in the ACT, of course. But he, he, here now, you'll be able to have people who are. Uh, have been engaged, and whether they be, you know, criminal gangs or or, 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 or smaller criminal enterprises that we're dealing in in pot, they will now be able to go to ACT and fill up a backyard with pot legally and grow it. So we don't know what's happening to that marijuana after it's been cultivated um, in someone's backyard in Canberra. So I think grow. What we are going to find is a lot of. Um, different-looking kind of grow houses now. <laughs> you know, out in the open grow houses in a way. So, as always, there's more to go in terms of uh, cannabis regulation. This seems to be the uh, the journey as uh, Australia grapples with uh, with with uh, you know changing its approach to drugs. That um, the changes are such small steps that we we sit here and we go people people get excited, but we sit here and we go um, well, I mean, how helpful is it actually going to be? And you know, is it actually going to make the positive difference? And just um, before we finish up, um, Jorian, uh, ha- what what do you think this means for Victoria? Like in in terms, of, you said there's a uh, uh, an inquiry going on at the moment um, for Victoria into into cannabis legalisation. Uh, I mean, where are we headed at the moment? Do you think? Look, the cannabis inquiry is going to give us a lot of answers. I, I know that um, for some people who just want to legalise, um, it, it, it's why don't we just put forward some legislation and legalise? Just damn it, just legalise real quick. And uh, but it's just it, it takes that mu- it takes so much longer in a legislative sense for an issue like this to get there. So the cannabis inquiry, much like say voluntary euthanasia in Victoria, took um, four or five years, and it was born out of inquiry that that uh, again actually that Fiona Patton put up. Um, but uh, it, it'll look at all the issues surrounding it. It may uh, help to convince some other sides of politics about um, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of cannabis as well. Around both here and overseas, and as other countries like New Zealand continue to legalise, um, uh, which I think they will, uh, then we're going to see a much broader, bigger campaign. And I, I think it'll be very much part of the 2022 election process here in Victoria. I I hope so, because it's it's time for change, and gosh, Australia lags behind on change a lot. It'd be nice to see. Um, it certainly does. <laughs> uh, Jorian, thanks for uh, talking to us today and uh, talking us through the uh, the recent legalisation or decriminalisation, well, legalisation, I think that's what we're going for, of cannabis uh, in small amounts, in certain circumstances, in the ACT. <laughs>
No worries, mate. See you soon. See you, Jorian. Uh, Jorian Gardner uh, is one of uh, Fiona Patton's uh, staffers, also um, a former Canberran uh, uh, shock, well, left-wing shock jock, I suppose, for 2CC. But, um, yeah, according to him... Um, they, yeah, that, I guess that's not the format they're looking for in the in the shock jock format. Uh, this is in psychedelia on three CR. We're going to be um, talking mushrooms next because it's been a mushroomy kind of week, even though it's not very mushroomy this time of year. We're going to talk mushrooms uh, right now. Mama Wankita, uh, another uh, lady who uh, played at this gig uh, for Rainbow last night, and uh, this is from her 2017 uh, set that she played at the Rainbow Serpent Festival. Um, uh, uh, playground, playground stage. Yep, here it is. Come in, psychedelia. When I say legalize the arms, because good for your nerves, keep your brain preserved. When I say Babylon, stop fighting. Come on, walk around free and light it. Dedicate this one to our two herbalists. In front of the station where the guns are pipe around Please in Babylon, get up and run Me tell them, say, no of them can't stop just on Me tell them, say, fill out the herbs and don't burn it down Straight lyrics coming from a cranium Knowledge and understanding to load the wisdom Me tell them, say, the herbs are healing from the ground Me tell them, that's how the farmer gets him income Cool! Go on, second land, go on, see madam Roll a big head, roll a meds and come Me tell them, say, no worry and drink the white gum Just bring the coochie cover, me free money till it done cast Niceness, every time we burn it Smell the aroma, got to love it and free your mind And don't you worry, just think it's time So legalize it, we not stop on it Bring the coochie cover, me free stuff it and free your mind And don't you worry, just think it's time You don't have to take a one puff. I listen to the sound of the rhythm where you're buff. They say, My God, well, I am growing the cush. Straight high grade rasta no bun bush. Just take a one burn and make the good vice push. Work harder, you wear no bother, stand up and look, cause we ain't no pushover. Just which bar we grow, oh, oh. New York, the concrete 
switch power we grow whoa whoa far out the concrete jungle straight back to jamaica so we Long talking that me no go take from the boy. Full violate, take me, I go give him a blight. Hearts is like a ball, let's say give him a try. They tuggy tuggy them, they both are ready for deploy. Me roll with dudes who we come in your residence. Right. To the dirty work and get rid of the evidence. But me, I try to live life and stack president. It's not the time for talk, talk me, I will have better mix. Anything is anything, I'm gonna be alright. Muddy top straight shelling for the whole night. Turn it up till it buck now, me feel nice. If you don't live your don't come here, that's your best chance. Yeah, no, oh, oh. Just which bar we grow, oh, oh. New York, the concrete jungle. Straight back to Jamaica, so we go. So I hope you understand Taking it to the top Yeah, my nigga, that's the plan Life is rough But you know we gotta keep it rolling, man Before a nigga run up on you With the armor, hammer, man 21 shots to your car 21 shots to your block That's what happened when you fucking With niggas from far right If you real, they bring that drama Terrorize Osama, Bud, my And they bring karma Text K's and llamas Hundred niggas on one corner Living fast for the cash They body your man's mama Cause when they shoot They don't miss Like Larry Bird Tough talk in my city will get you murdered They don't know, oh, oh Just which bar we grow, oh, oh New York, the concrete jungle Straight back to Jamaica, so we go That's Mama Wonkita on In Psychedelia on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. My name's Nick, sitting across from me is Ash, and uh, we are back for 2020, uh, talking all things drugs, um, and broader as well. I I like to think that uh, as the years go on that we sort of broaden out. I mean, we've always had um, the sort of festival scene more broadly. Uh, I've been talking about that because we present uh, at festivals. We've had the the show essentially at festivals Um, and it's, you know, part of our our social environment, I suppose. But then there's also other aspects to to every substance. I think there's, there are, there are other more interesting aspects. And um, the thing that really intrigued me uh, about drugs, and the first one that I was really interested in, well, after cannabis, which I think is a bit cliche, everybody gets interested in that because you listen to Cypress Hill or whatever when you're 16 and you think, yeah, I'm going to get into that. And um, But mushrooms, I was never particularly that interested in mushrooms as a kid in terms of like eating them. I think I was probably one of those kids that was a bit bratty, like, you want to eat mushrooms. Um, but something about my first... Uh, experience with psilocybin mushrooms um, set me on a, a like in terms of all the psychedelic stuff yeah sure all of that but ah, geez there's a lot of delicious culinary mushrooms out there and there's a lot of interesting stuff that the mushroom world does and it sort of opened these doors um, to start asking questions um, about that and the other night uh, at Cinema Nova was a screening of Fantastic Fungi. Um, it has been screening at Cinema Nova and there have been um, multiple panels from both Mind Medicine Australia and Entheogenesis Australis, uh, including a number of organisations uh, talking about um, a whole wide variety of issues around mushrooms from um, from what's been going on uh, in in Victoria uh, with the bushfires and with um, with mushroom growth and from people using fungi in industrial ways to uh, to things like the St Vincent's trial uh, which just kicked off yesterday uh, I believe at St Vincent's and on the line now we have the president of Prism psychedelic research in science and medicine Dr Martin Williams Martin welcome to the program Hey Nick hey Ash how are you doing Good Happy New Year. To you too. Thanks very much. Uh, so, yes, I, it was yesterday, I believe, that the, the trial officially began at St. Vincent's, and this is for psilocybin uh, being used to uh, help people with end-of-life end anxiety. Uh, indeed. It, it was an, actually on Friday, Friday, but yeah, very Oh, close. yeah, sorry. Um, it is Sunday yep, now. Yep. yep. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, but yes, that's, that's correct. It was for the, uh, for the treatment of uh, people who have ter- terminal illness and uh, who are suffering existential distress, I guess, or particularly anxiety and depression. Uh, and so really people's quality of life, apart from obviously their, um, their terminal illness, can be dramatically diminished by the, by the crippling anxiety and depression. 
Uh, and from trials, uh, from results of trials that have been completed primarily in the USA, it's been found that uh, that, that existential distress can be relieved very dramatically um, by uh, psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy. Psilocybin, of course, being the, the main active uh, psychotropic or psychedelic ingredient in the, in mushroom magic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms, uh, and uh, it turns out to be a very good uh, adjunct to psychotherapy, which provides people with with support. Uh, with a, a means of coming to some sort of explanation, I guess, of, uh, of the life they've led and, and what is likely to come. So how long is the trial going to run for now? So we're looking to treat 30 participants, and so uh, it'll probably take between 18 months and two years of, of actual sort of clinical work. The reason for that is we have two dedicated teams of two therapists each and uh, they have very full workloads at St Vincent's in the palliative care and psycho-oncology department. So uh, they're taking some time out of their busy schedule. So yes, we have sort of limited capacity to to, um, to push people through. But on the other hand, I think it's very important to uh, to take time over the trial and make sure that everything is done absolutely uh, as it should be to uh, to really optimise the quality of our results. And so, where about is it federal government funding that is is funding the research? Where, like, who's supporting it from a sort of government point of view? Right. So we're we're still a fair way off um, attracting any public sector or government funding for for any uh, psychedelic research, uh, and that's really been the case uh, globally. Uh, research has been uh, conducted on psychedelics, not people on psychedelics, but on the psychedelic compounds themselves for a number of years. But generally that's been to um, to study harms, demonstrate harms mm-hmm. rather than potential benefits. And so that, that research, as you might imagine, has been publicly funded by the National Institutes on Drug Abuse, for example, or the National Institutes of Health in the USA. Uh, but otherwise there's been very little funding. The one exception that I can really think of, probably two exceptions, one is... Uh, in Switzerland, they have a very enlightened attitude to, to psychedelic research, and I think that has been uh, more or less publicly funded through universities in particular. Uh, and then in the UK, as it happens, because the National um, uh, Health Service, is uh, NHS, is, uh, is actually funding some of the research that's been taking place with MDMA and psychedelics in, in the UK itself. So for those that are undergoing um, this trial, are, are participating in this trial, um, what, how does it sort of play out for them? So we're talking about people who uh, have a, a terminal illness, I believe, um, who, who are approaching death. Um, what, how does this, this treatment work? So essentially um, the three um, critical aspects of psychedelic psychotherapy, which are, I think, quite well established now, uh, preparation, uh, then the actual psychedelic uh, session, and then integration afterwards. And so we're following that protocol uh, very closely. Uh, that's been very successful in uh, in uh, in the US at Johns Hopkins University, New York University, and so on. So, yeah, essentially, in practical terms, a participant in the trial would have to undergo screening first up. So that means that they are... Um, uh, given questionnaires, they're given a, a small battery of, uh, of uh, health physiological tests to make sure that they, they actually do have the, uh, the the body capacity to deal with the psilocybin itself. Uh, and then they would be, um, I guess, subjected to what we call inclusion and exclusion criteria. As long as they meet all of those or don't meet the exclusion criteria, then they can move forward to the next step, which is... Um, they would go through some initial psychotherapy pretty much to, uh, let's see, to explore their own personal feelings, their mental health, their, uh, their relationships with other people, their relationships, um, I guess, with themselves in a way. Uh, and, and so that's the preparatory phase that I was mentioning. Then the psychedelic, uh, experience itself takes place in a, in a nice sort of room, which is pretty much set up like a, like a lounge room with a sofa um, with muted lighting and with some nice decor. Uh, and the, uh, that will happen at St Vincent's Hospital, by the way, so there's a room that's been specially set up for that. Uh, that's an eight-hour session starting uh, with the, the drug being administered around 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then that, that uh, process will, will continue for about six to eight hours. Now, the, the psychedelic experience on psilocybin is not... 
probably doesn't quite persist that long, but it does at least give the participant a chance to start to um, work on that integration process, which is followed up the next day and the next few days as well. So, yeah, in a nutshell, um, those three those three steps. And then uh, we, we do have a placebo uh, arm, so we're going to be placebo-controlled uh, trial. And, uh, and so the placebo participants will receive an active dose of psilocybin later in the trial. The people who do receive the active dose of psilocybin first up will receive a second dose of psilocybin. So we can get a, a chance to, to assess whether two doses is actually more effective than one. Although admittedly I have to say that it's, it's quite, a small, quite a small trial. Just back to, just very quickly back to your funding, by the way. Uh, so the corollary of that, that we don't have public funding is that it's really entirely from the, from the private sector. And so philanthropic contributions have been very important around the world for, for conducting psychedelic uh, research. And that's very much the case with us. We have two organisations supporting us, Mind Medicine Australia and the Vasudhara Foundation. Mm. Um, and, I'm sorry, I have to turn my microphone on. Uh, and also you can, uh, if anybody's sitting at home and wants to uh, contribute in a small way, that you, you can donate to PRISM. Uh, you are a registered correct. charity, yep. I believe. We are indeed, yep. yep. So uh, prism.org.au, we have a uh, we have a uh, donate button and we are a um, what's called a deductible uh, gift recipient, so a DGR1 charity, which means that people who uh, make a donation, I think of $20 or, or more, can, can claim that as a, as a tax deduction. It's also a good website to bookmark and regularly check out for news on uh, Australian psychedelic research. Uh, at the moment, I believe that is the only um, psychedelic research that is happening in Australia, but I know that there have been mumblings of things uh, going on elsewhere. Are there any um, things that you can talk about, Martin, now? Are there, are there any, is there any progress in other states or towards other uh, kinds of studies, perhaps with different substances? Sure. Uh, there's been, I guess there have been mumblings for quite some time because, in fact, we, we um, established PRISM as an incorporated association then as a charity back in 2011, 2012. And so we've been working pretty well continuously all of that time up until the present to, uh, to try and get psychedelic psychotherapeutic research, uh, psychedelic medical research, as it were, um, underway. Uh, and so it's really, uh, it's really been a matter of... Um, finding the, the test case, I guess. And once, I suspect that once uh, clinicians, researchers have seen that other people are able to, uh, to get a project underway, then that gives them some encouragement to actually um, start to plan their own trials. And so, yeah, we have a, um, um, we have a, a protocol for an MDMA-assisted therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder trial, a very small proof-of-concept trial uh, with an ethics committee at the moment, and that would be conducted um, in Perth. Uh, at a, in a university by university researchers, but at a but at a hospital um, site, uh, and then there's sort of there's talk around uh, a trial for treatment resistant or major depressive disorder uh, using psilocybin assisted therapy. But uh, on top of that, the the thing about psilocybin is it does seem quite effective in in helping people to to address rather rigid sort of modes of thinking, and that, and that sort of that rigidified thinking is thought to have quite a lot to do with the anxiety and depression, for example, associated with um, with uh, terminal illness or with major depressive disorder. But there are other um, there are other mental health conditions such as uh, OCD. <coughs> excuse me, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, eating disorders and so on, which still could be explored quite reasonably. And I know that there are some researchers in Australia who are, who are, uh, are looking at um, putting together trials protocols and uh, putting those to ethics down the track. Well, I hope that we can see um, more Australian research in the future because sometimes it f I think just uh, particularly with some of the political things going on, I just feel like we're lagging behind the world a little bit in some areas and I hope that we can uh, actually be a bit progressive and, and contribute something to this, uh, uh, to this broader uh, book of knowledge, I suppose. So, Martin, thank you for your work um, that you have, uh, have been doing and thanks for talking to us today. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. And I really think that we're just at the beginning of the journey and uh, it's a very exciting time ahead. So thanks, guys, for your interest. Much appreciated. Thank you very much, Martin. Uh, Dr. Martin Williams is the President of Psychedelic Research in Science and Medicine, or PRISM. Uh, and if you want to find out more, prism.org.au, that's P-R-I-S-M.org.au, uh, is the website. Go check that out. Uh, this is In Psychedelia on 3CR, uh, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. 
Join me, Aya Kwai, with Ubuntu Voices. Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on 3CR. Ubuntu is a Zulu word, meaning I am here because you are. Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African Australians make to our communities in music, academia, the arts, and everything in between. Come with me on a journey. Ubuntu Voices, every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. None of us are free. One of us is changed. None of us are free. And Psychedelia on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3CR.org.au. Doing a little bit of juggling as we uh, uh, as we come into our last 10 minutes of the show, our first show back for 2020, and we want to continue on the theme of uh, mushrooms. Uh, oh, that's the wrong thing. Uh, continue on the theme of mushrooms as the uh, I was at the uh, Entheogenesis Australis um, panel and movie screening of Fantastic Fungi, um, which has been screening at Cinema Nova. Uh, also, Mind Medicine Australia had a panel um, about a week and a half ago, I believe. Um, but I was really interested in, in one project that I've heard a little bit about, but uh, got to hear a lot more about uh, on Thursday. It's called Fungi Map. And uh, FungiMap is a citizen science project, and uh, Cameron uh, is on the line now from FungiMap to tell us a bit about it. Cameron, welcome to the program. Hey, Nick. How are you going? Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. So it's a citizen science project. Perhaps um, before we get into it, what is citizen science? Well, um, unfortunately, I guess it's necessitated by um, the lack of funding that science gets generally. So I guess it's a little bit akin to community radio in some ways, I suppose. It's volunteers um, doing all the work to, you know, in a similar way to what your volunteers at TCR are putting all the programs to air. Our volunteers at FungiMap, the citizen scientists, uh, are out there in the field looking for fungi um, and to, in, in order to map their distribution around Australia. Um, so, you know, there's a bunch of different citizen science projects that you may have heard of. There's a lot of bird um, observation projects, which have become quite successful. Um, but yeah, it can kind of take on any dimension, I suppose. Anything that there's an area of scientific inquiry where you need people out there in the field sort of doing the legwork, uh, that's that's kind of how it operates. Um, so for those yeah. that, that do go uh, like to go out during, uh, especially autumn and winter here in Victoria, and go and have a look for different kinds of uh, of fungi, um, is this just as simple as those people just um, having a sort of a basic list of things that they're looking for, and, and maybe a nice camera so that they can get some shots and and take some notes down on on where they found something growing, on um, maybe even taking a small sample to to do some further analysis? Is is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, effectively. Um, obviously, things have changed quite a bit in the age of the smartphone. When Fungi Maps started out uh, back in the mid-90s, a lot of our records were made on pieces of paper where people would write down. Um, generally, at that time, it probably would have been Melway references um, as an idea of where they found the particular specimen that they'd recorded. Um, and in those days, people used to actually take photos. You know, this is probably pre-digital camels even, so they'd take photos which they then send into us with the information about where they saw the fungus, um, the habitat and the substrate for the fungus and the, the coordinates so that we could then enter all of those records into our database, scan the images where they'd been supplied um, and then we'd actually return the photos to them in the old days. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, of course. So yeah, things have changed. Laborious process. But nowadays we're really lucky we've got platforms like the iNaturalist application, which is, you know, you can download that for iOS or Android. Um, and it's as simple as you take a photo, you upload it there and then. It, of course, geolocates it for you. Um, and then when people add things to the FungiMap Australia project in iNaturalist, uh, there's a requirement for observations for our project that, that you give habitat and substrate. And, you know, it can be as simple as rainforest or um, grassland or something like that for, for habitat. And, and then for substrate, all we're sort of looking at is whether it's growing on a log, uh, in soil or in dung or something to that effect so that we can help figure out which species it is. This might be the, the thick question, but what's the, what's the goal of all of this? Why, why do we need to collect all this information and, and, and what... Um, 
what can be made out of all this information? Well, the reality is we know very little about Australia's fungi. Um, there's estimated to be something around uh, 25,000 species of which, sorry, 250,000 species of which we've kind of got a good understanding and descriptions of maybe about 10,000, I think it is, mm. uh, currently. So we really just don't know a lot about our fungi and where they're distributed around the country. So FungiMat was really quite pioneering in, um, you know, it, it sort of built this database of records of where different fungal species are distributed around the country. Um, and a lot of that, that uh, data has now sort of, you know, it's fed into things like the Atlas of Living Australia, which some of your listeners might be familiar with. Um, and those data sets can be used for research, for conservation, um, and certainly that's what we use it for as well, is in advocating for better awareness of fungal conservation. It's something that still we really, really have to put on the agenda. You know, in the, in the wake of the bushfire crisis, we've seen lots of discussion around, uh, you know, the importance of seed banking and conservation of, of our native fauna, but I still haven't seen anyone really talking about the fact that fire will affect our fungi as well. And in a myriad ways, there's, there's some fungi that actually grow in response to fire. So, you know, this is an opportunity for us to be learning about them as well. So we're really encouraging people, especially those people sort of working in conservation and land management or people who are involved in field naturalist groups or even just people who like bushwalking, you know, to keep an eye out if they see something, especially if it looks kind of peculiar, um, all the better for it, you know. And it's, it's as simple as just snapping a photo. And, you know, if you don't want to use the iNaturalist application, you can do it the old-fashioned way and, and send it to us. Um, Maybe not in the post, what you're more than welcome to, but you can email it to us as well. So, so, so we are um, out of time, but before we finish up, Cameron, um, can you just tell us, um, for those that are interested in participating in this, in, uh, in making this part of their, their, their bushwalking routine, um, where do people go to find out uh, more information and to participate? Yeah, so you can head to the FungiMap website, which is, of course, at fungimap.org.au. Um, you'll find links on there to our iNaturalist pro project, which um, is actually called FungiMap Australia. There's no other FungiMap project, but for some reason we put Australia on the end of the iNat project. Uh, and then, of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. So that's probably the best way to stay in touch. And we will share all of those links as well on our Facebook and our Twitter, so please uh, make sure to check there. Cameron, thanks very much for talking to us about FungiMap today. Pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Uh, and that was uh, Cameron from the Fungi Map Project, a citizen science project that you can get involved with. We're just about out of time. But before we uh, finish up, a uh, couple of events. Ash? There is the Party Project uh, putting on a, um, a, a panel discussing novel psychoactive substances and harm reduction at Revolver Upstairs this coming Tuesday from 5pm until 7pm. It's free. And uh, also Dr. Monica Barrett will be there talking about um, yep. some of those uh, those things. So um, I'm not sure. Do you have to sign? I'm not sure if you, if, if you even have there to sign There is an up. Eventbrite link if you okay. want to register. I did just share that on Facebook, so you can click that and uh, find all the links uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, also, uh, on Monday is the first uh, Yarra Drug Health Forum for the year. Um, if you are in the city of Yarra or work in the city of Yarra and interested in drug issues in the city of Yarra, uh, get along to the Yarra Drug Health Forum meeting tomorrow from 12.30 at Richmond Town Hall uh, down there on uh, Bridge Street. We are out of time. Uh, Queering the Air is up next. Please enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Find us on social media. Say hello, and we'll see you next week. Bye. This is In Psychedelia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. This has been a 3CR podcast. You can hear in Psychedelia live every Sunday from 2pm. Head to 3cr.org.au for more.